I left the city, I've been browsing. Treading water that they drowning. My head on the swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 155 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at DynastyDadFF. You guys asked for it. You guys love the collaborations. We got to have my man, Mike Jirai, Dynasty's old time himself. Dude, what is up, my man? What's up, man? Pumped to be back on the show. Pumped to transition a little bit from rookie draft season to startup season. It's it's wild. It's only May 17th, and I would say 90% of my rookie drafts are done. Um, it, it's, it goes quick in the off season. Well, they just keep getting earlier and earlier. I mean, like yeah. smash one through 10, we do it that Monday. I have a couple of them. I just finished one where I only had one pick, but it was the one on one. So it felt real nice to take Bijan, you know, and I have two of my like more casual home leagues are going to do that. And then the one I'm in with you, the office league, we still have another rookie draft in there. And it's like, it's a bittersweet moment, right? Like us as, as content creators and as, as dynasty players, it's like when those rookie drafts are over. We just spent the last year really trying to put you guys in that best position where you and I are in in similar areas where like I have Gibbs, Kincaid, JSN, you know, these guys are in all my teams, you know, and we've moved ourselves into those situations. You know, what has this experience been like? Because this year in particular, we got a lot more into content creation and, and not just podcasting, but all the other things. So talk to me a little bit about that transition for you, you know, moving from rookie draft season now into you know, it's time to start scoring some points. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm excited for the transition. Rookie draft season was wild. Um, the the amount of just work I ended up putting in, I, I really bit off more than I could chew, but um, I had a blast doing it. And I felt so prepared for my rookie drafts, which was awesome. Um, it, I had like my board and everything about every player so well memorized, essentially, that I was able to make picks like really without thinking, like trade offers, I was able to just like snap off. So you know, yeah. I, I had 80 plus drafts, you know, 70 already. And it, it really didn't, the drafts didn't feel nearly as bad as, or as time consuming as they had in the past. Yeah. And it was a really enjoyable experience. I know you can talk about your Patreon with it a little bit, but as Smash Except having rooms in there for not only all the rankings, not only all of that, but the camaraderie of the on the clock room, like where it was like, Hey, I'm up on this pick and this is what my roster looks like. You know, who should I take here? And talking a lot about roster constructions and how to fill in that. And I feel like, you know, our listeners were more prepared than ever with the guests that we have, plus that Patreon. And I know your Patreon as well, like has really taken off where it's a matter of just, we're putting you in the best position possible to absolutely smash your drafts and then move into right. We're talking about now startup season and actually scoring some points. Yeah. Although I will say the worst thing is, is when like you get sniped by a guy and it's because they took your advice that you yep. you were giving them on a different platform, but Hey, I'm, I'm glad to be helping out everyone. Um, anyways, really excited to talk this startup. I've actually done the irresponsible thing and been in three startups, um, since the rookie draft season, um, two, two pretty big money ones. Um, and then one more. So, uh, I'm, I'm excited to get back into, you know, this, this part of the off season. It's, to, to be honest, it's I love the rookie draft analysis, but startup season is really what's going to make or break a team. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? What'll be interesting is, and congratulations because you've made it. Because what they say to me when they draft in the Smash leagues is, "Dad's taking this guy." So I'm put, they literally will move ahead to yeah. you know a spot no, ahead to take Dalton Kincaid all the time. So yeah. you have made it, my friend. And I'm excited because you and I are going to be in a startup soon, and it's eerily similar how right now, how in line we think when it comes to the draft. So it should be really interesting to see how that plays out. But let's talk about this draft. So we're going to look at Smash 10 a little bit. You and I did, and it's one of our, our biggest listen to, you know, podcasts so far is our startup strategy. And we talk about it a lot, you know, the year one punts. And I, I've showed you guys how much, you know, how how you've been instrumental in that and how my teams have turned out and how yours have. Um, and there's a lot of guys asking questions about that. So hit up, us up on DMs. But today what we're going to talk about is just rookie pick or the vet. You know, you're in this area um, right now, you know, like the first one, we're talking about that one, we'll call it one nine. Is it B. John Robinson or Justin Jefferson? You know, you're going to get in these situations. Now it's no longer a rookie pick, right? Rookie picks are worth more than the player when you start, start looking at it, right? Aside from the one-on-one, everybody knew who that was. 
102 is pretty chalk. But in those areas, like in general, the 103 is worth more than Bryce Young, even if Bryce Young was going to go 103. Just for yeah. the scenario of someone takes the wrong guy at 103, there's a lot more flexibility. Now we have the players. So let, let's start jumping into this. I mean, I think the first one's pretty easy to kind of figure out. But let's go instead of Bijan Jefferson, let's, let's go Bijan Chase at the 110. So Bijan and Chase at the 110 is an interesting one. Um, I'm going Chase pretty easily, actually. You know, he's just any rookie. I don't care what type of prospect they are. They can bust. Um, Running back is a much less stable position. So in general, I'd rather have the stud wide receiver. And Jamar Chase is a Hall of Fame wide receiver at age, what, 24, 25, tied to his best friend and one of the top, like, three pocket passers in the league. Like, you could not ask for a better situation. I'm going Chase, and to be honest, it isn't that hard. If you could trade Bijan for Chase, I would recommend doing that. What what do you think? First two seasons, you're looking at 168 receptions, 2,500 yards, 22 touchdowns. And here's the scary thing, Mike, is I don't think he's peaked. You know what I mean? Like Jefferson is phenomenal and I have Jefferson above chase, but it is really hard once the quarterbacks are gone. I think the the more of the debate is fields and Lawrence and Jackson versus chase, as opposed to Bijan versus chase. You know, I think once you get out of that range and you take those big seven quarterbacks and you take chase and Jefferson, then Bijan becomes an automatic pick in that area for me. Like I, I, we have discussed how, phenomenal he looks and we're, and we're talking about Atlanta really wants to I know you and I discussed it a while ago I'm seeing it in all the coach speak I'm seeing it in all of the the camp buzz they really want to get him involved in the passing game and yeah. you know right now in redraft people are taking him as RB2 overall and I'm not really I'm not going to fault anybody you know I, I mean, we know how special he could be but Chase and Jefferson are guys that you build that team around right we know that they're going to be around for the next yeah. five to eight years and still be high level wide receiver ones. I have a couple teams with both of them and those are my favorite rosters. Just looking at those two guys on the same team, it just gets you excited, right? Cause you're like, this is a nucleus as opposed to a running back who I don't like building around running backs. If you look at most of my startups, I've done this off season. I wait till deep on those running backs just because the longevity isn't the same. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And there's really a top 10, and then there's a tier break. The same way there's a top six in the rookie drafts this year, there's a top mm-hmm. 10 in startup drafts. It's the totally. eight quarterbacks and it's Chase and Jefferson. You want to get up into that top 10. I've been getting the question a lot because derby style drafts are being are becoming more popular where essentially you randomize the order of the slot you get to then pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've in the past recommended getting the 112 so then especially on a third round reversal so you can get the 2-1 and the 3-1 but this year I am not recommending that I think you need to get one of these top 10 picks at a minimum because starting your franchise with Bijan Robinson who is a rookie running back or CD Lamb who is just not Jamar Chase or Anthony Richardson who we'll get to in a minute but again like Bijan like that's just such a swing I it's just such a big difference so you need to get one of those top 10 picks so when I do the Kentucky Derby, that's what I say. I say it's one through for me, I have it one through 10 and then we're skipping to 12, you know, like yeah. in, in years past, it might be one through six. And we talk about switching at 12. Yeah. If you're at 12, I mean, you, you know, you take Deshaun Watson, you take Anthony Richardson, you get that three Oh one. If it's a three round reversal, if it's not three round reversal, it is a, that's not where you want to be. You know, like yeah. that is a huge advantage for the one one And we've talked about it on the last podcast. So I'm not going to kind of go over it a lot, but it's like, Having Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, or Burrow literally puts you in a position to build a team to dominate because you can move back from one to yeah. five and get Justin Herbert or one to six and get Lamar Jackson and and get a plus, plus, plus. I mean, right now, I've seen guys pay from the 107 to the 103 and give up a 24 first plus a 3-5 swap. We want to get into that third round as much as possible because that's where, you know, the, we talked about Early fourth isn't exciting. Third round is a lot of great value in there. Let's talk. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say the number one mistake I see people make is saying, you know, the tier of five to 10 is so deep. I'll just take the ninth or 10 pick instead of the fourth pick and then draft earlier. You don't want to do that because like you just said, if you have the fourth pick, it's just more ammo to trade for. Like, you're going to be able to get so much to move back to nine. It's going to way make up the difference, more than make up the difference for the second and third round move back that you take by making that decision. So 
I'm essentially get the highest pick you can in a, mm-hmm. in one of these startups that I just did. I ended up getting the 104 and I had the 10th pick in the Derby. Like you can't be letting someone do no. that because you're just giving away value from really like day one. And that's why I like doing Derby drafts. Cause you know, I'm hoping my, you know, league mates are making the wrong decision and there's a better chance I could get up there. That's what we do in smash except with those. And I think what people are like, well, they're like, dad, I had the 104 and I couldn't trade back. So what? You take Joe Burrow take Joe Burrow. and, and yeah. trade him for Trevor Lawrence plus, 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 if that's what you really wanted to do. You yeah. know, like the difference between Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence is at least the first, if not more. You know, and I love Trevor Lawrence, but I think that's that's the kind of gap you're looking at. So now yep. we get to that end of the first and in Smash 10 at that 112-201, it was Deshaun Watson who, you know, you and I have a lot of shares of. He was a former top five guy, someone that when we recorded – Two months ago, we were like, hey, we're buying him up because he's going to be sliding from that mid-second to that late first, and he did. Uh, and then Anthony Richardson, again, say, we did that rookie pod. We were saying this is going to be the 102, and it is. You know, it, it is a surefire thing. Let's talk about this. So now you're in a startup. There is a difference to me between the 102 rookie pick when you take Anthony Richardson as opposed to I have seen him go as early as 111 yeah. ahead, of, ahead of both, you know, Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson. So let's let's unpack this a little bit. Like, what kind of risk are we talking about? You and I both love Anthony Richardson. We both have a lot of shares. But what kind of risk are we talking about in comparison to guys that have done it in the past, like Deshaun Watson, like Kyler Murray, who, you know, have averaged 24, 25 fantasy points per game? Yeah, it's insane. I, I have no idea what's going on. Um, first of all, like, you're grouping together Kyler and Deshaun, which I was doing for most of the offseason. And for some reason in the last month, Kyler Murray has slid from the 202 to the 211 in some circumstances. That's his current ADP. And That's I have insane. no idea. I have no idea what's going on. I I said that you should be trading like Lamar or Lawrence for Kyler in a first. And I had more people commenting saying that I was insane. They would never do that. Like, why would you want that cod playing quitter or whatever? Like, it's unbelievable. Do people not remember who Kyler Murray is? Like, he was everyone's favorite player until he wasn't. Um, he's average yeah, 20 this time last year, he was going one Oh five and I've made three trades where I've done that same thing. I've moved off of hurt or I'm sorry. I moved off of Herbert Lamar fields yep. and gotten a 24 first. I did a Jalen hurts for Kyler Murray in two firsts, yep. you know, like the, people are forgetting as soon as he starts playing again, he's going to, he's going to move into that one Oh seven, one Oh eight range, if not higher, depending on what he does this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's the same argument for Watson to get back to your Anthony Richardson comparison. So Watson has averaged 24 points a game since 2018, 25 if you exclude just the few bad games he had in 2022. 25 points is more than Josh Allen. 24 points is more than Justin Herbert. And Deshaun Watson two years ago was being drafted at the 103 in some places, if you recall. Mm -hmm. So both of these players with one elite season will be right back above Trevor Lawrence, above Lamar Jackson. If they beat Justin Herbert by two points, they'll be above him too. Like these guys yeah. are legitimate top six potential players. And Anthony Richardson has that potential. Like if, if he looks good, if he's a top, you know, nine, 10 fantasy quarterback this year, he has that potential, but he also has a large potential to bust. And I don't see that with Kyler or Deshaun. Like, you know that value bounce back is coming. It's basically free. And if you wouldn't take Anthony Richardson above Bijan in a rookie draft, you're either doing rookie drafts wrong or you're doing this startup draft wrong because you need to be more consistent in how you view that because every decision you make in a rookie draft is the equivalent of making a decision in a startup draft. Yeah, I mean, the big trend that I'm seeing is the A.J. Brown, Jalen Waddle, even Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall are creeping ahead of Kyler Murray. And to me... I'm like, man, the only guy that I, the only wide receiver I would, I would take, I would take CD lamb over him and that, you know, Jefferson lamb and chase. And I would debate it. I would really debate it with lamb, but I would be close there. I mean, I, I would, I would have to take him above AJ Brown. And I think Kyler Murray is a screaming value go out there and, you know, like, I have him in a league where I was, I'm, I'm looking to contend. And I, I just floated it out there. People were offering me like the 106, 107. I saw him go in one of my home leagues for the 104. Now Ooh. Bryce Young fell to the 104. So it's a little Still, bit. Still though. I know. That's why I was like, I, you know, I had to put that uh, eyes wide open emoji. But so the next one that transitions perfectly into Dak Prescott or Bryce Young. So Dak okay. Prescott, a guy that I know you own a lot of shares of. 
I do as well, because right now, Dak Prescott, to me, if Kyler Murray is the most disrespected guy right now, Dak Prescott is the guy that's been disrespected even more. He's falling in this draft. He fell all the way to 210. And I'm seeing that very consistently. Like this is a guy that if you like to win, people like, oh, he's 30 years old. He's in the prime of his career. Like this is someone where I like Bryce Young, the prospect, but given that area, what do you like better? Do you like Bryce Young or do you like Dak Prescott? I'm going Dak Prescott by a mile here. Like I, I, it's the same thing where we know what he does when he's healthy. Like they just got rid of Ezekiel Elliott, which is a huge benefit to Dak Prescott. Like Tony Pollard is not a guy who's going to handle, you know, 30 plus rushes a game. I could see Dak, you know, hopefully running a little bit more in the red zone, but either way, like he's going to be, I love the addition of Brandon cooks. Like, He's averaged, again, 24 points a game, the same as all these other guys, and he's being moved down because he's 30. I'm sorry. He could play till he's 38, and if you're game planning for nine years from now, then I have no idea what you're doing because we've just seen that's what these elite quarterbacks do. Even, you know, Matt Ryan and Ben Roethlisberger played till they were, what, 36, 37? Like, Mm -hmm. almost every quarterback who has reached the heights that Dak Prescott, Prescott has reached has been able to play well into their mid to late thirties. So I'm not worried about it at all. I I have a tier actually from five to 13 and Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson are the last two guys in that tier. And then I have Dak Prescott literally one spot below them. So he's my two Oh two. I've been loving doing, and I did this in two startups recently was I had a pick at the one Oh eight, one Oh nine range. I moved back into the 205, 204 range and then moved up with essentially my fifth rounder to get a second one of those picks. And I was able to get, you know, Dak Prescott and Kyler Murray, start my team off like that and essentially have an extra fifth rounder. And and that's just, it's easy. If you get two of the starting quarterbacks that you need in those first two rounds, then you're in just great shape. Smash those staple quarterbacks. My last one I did, I ended up, I had Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, but I traded Lawrence for um, Lamar Jackson in the 112, you know, and I moved in like that's where Lamar's kind of, I'm, I'm all over Lamar right now. I think Lamar's going to have a, a fantastic season with a chip on his shoulder, but you know, that's that area where if you guys can go out and get two quarterbacks, it makes your life so much easier because now we just recorded a, a you know, a podcast on the, the super flex position, but if you guys can get those, I mean, we get into this meh middle rounds where, where you're choosing between Jared Goff, Kenny yeah. Pickett, Jordan Love, Kirk Cousins. and you, So you're either aging out or you're taking a risk as opposed to spending the capital now, like we're talking about, move yourself up and get into a position to take two of these guys. So, you know, we, right, now, right now in ADP, there are two quarterbacks going between the 303 and the 607. That is yeah. over three rounds where only two quarterbacks go. And, and there are Stroud and Tua, right? No, it's Tua and Daniel Jones. And there oh, are Daniel Jones. So where yeah. do they have Stroud going then? At the 302. Okay. Okay. I got you now. I, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So um and that's 14 quarterbacks in the top, you know, in the top three or 26 picks. So if you're going to be one of the teams that you think is going to compete year one, you really want to get two of these quarterbacks. There's only going to be, you know, four teams who are going to have two of these quarterbacks. You want to be one of those teams. Yeah. And I mean, I think the the biggest risk there, you're eliminating the risk by adding to move into that area because, you know, you, you just put yourself in a situation where if you got to, if you miss out, like once we get to round three, four, five, six, somebody's going to reach on a quarterback where they shouldn't, yeah. where you could be actually smashing value on a, on a Jerry Judy while someone else has to go out there and try to reach for Kenny Pickett or a guy yeah. that just isn't in that right area. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is we get to that two, three turn before I talk about that, the 23 class, you and I have invested super heavily in it mm-hmm. and people still act like it's bad, but we're getting four guys here. You know, you're getting three in the first two rounds or sorry, four in the first two rounds, you know, and then you and get another two in round three and another right. one in round four. It's a now yeah. the what I want to talk about is I want to talk about 2024. It's yep. going to be the same. I put out my top 12 and there are six guys that I think are going to go in that similar type range. You're going to have Kayla Williams is going to go round one, you know, May and Harrison could creep into that second round, which I, I believe they will get into that area. I mean, there are about five or six guys that I see go into that similar area. So Talk to me a little bit about what you value a 24 first as, you know, last year we were those 23 first, we were saying, I like to look at as worth a sixth rounder. What are we valuing in those 24 firsts and how much should we be moving around with that? 
I mean, the top of the 24 first is really just unassailable. You have one legitimate, like, a generational is overused, but a true 101 quarterback. You have an arguably generational wide receiver, and then you have a pretty solid depth in three or four other quarterbacks. We don't know who's going to be the one to rise to the top, but Drake May's a good bet for it. And you have a guy who basically is Kyle Pitts, who, you know, was going in the early third, late second of startup drafts um, his year. So you're completely right. If I'm looking at a random 2024 first that has a one third chance of being a top two round startup pick, that is, that is just golden. It's something I want to acquire before the draft starts. Um, Typically like I'm, I'm okay trading. I've always said I would trade anything after Jordan Addison and Quentin Johnston and Dalton Kincaid. So anything Zay flowers and beyond I'm easily trading for a 2024 first. I would even do a little bit more than that. So looking at my board right now, I have QJ and Addison as my 54 and 55, which is the middle of the fifth round. Um, mm-hmm. And Dalton Kincaid right in that area as well. Once I get to pick 60 and 61, that's like DeAndre Swift and Geno Smith. I'm trading those guys for a first. So in most cases, I'm trading a sixth rounder for a 2024 first, mm-hmm. as long as it's like a random one and not a win now team. I'm right in line with you there. And I think yeah. that's a way where we talked about those quarterbacks and I knew I was going to punt in, in smash eight. I took uh, Lamar Jackson at one Oh seven traded him for Dak Prescott in the 24 first. Then I traded Dak Prescott for CJ Stroud in the 24 first and solidified that my 24 first is going to be Caleb Williams. So it's like when you can cascade a trade like that, I mean, yeah. Lamar Jackson or CJ Stroud in two 24 first. And I don't love CJ Stroud, but I'm going to be able to flip him again probably for another 24 first plus. So, I mean, that's that's how you do it. A lot of you guys are looking at the rosters that we've been posting as far as year one punts, and it's really not that hard. It's just a matter of being patient and, and playing the long game. You know, everyone I, wants I, to do I things I don't think quickly. we've talked about Bryce Young yet. Before we move on, do you, yeah. you want to talk real quickly? I, I haven't gotten your opinion on him yet. I do not own many shares of Bryce Young. When okay. I had the 103, I was using it as capital. I I really don't like the size yeah. but i mean that that's been worrisome for me the entire process i don't own very many shares at all i ended up getting only two bryce young shares the whole way across just because i'd rather mitigate risk and and move up and get another guy in that area you know and i think most yeah. of them i was able to like i traded bryce young plus an, a 24 first and move myself into that joe burrow area you know like that's yeah. i just want to be off of that like i i got a lot of richardson you know, I got a lot of Stroud because he fell to like 106 in a lot of situations. And I put a lot of my teams into that 106 area. Just Bryce Young is one of my least owned players. And I, he could hit. Absolutely. I think he's going to ultimately be in that QB 10 to 12 range. And he's going to stay in that area because he is yeah. a guy that wins. He's a guy that can put up numbers, but I'm not wild on the rushing upside to put him into that top, you know, six to eight range. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I ended up with nine shares, which might sound like a lot, but it's like, pretty much average for my rookies as far as they go. Um, you know, like guys like Gibbs and Kincaid, I, I'm up in the thirties in my shares. Um, that, that's my board behind me, by the way. Um, uh, it's, it's the only way I can keep track of this, but um, I, I feel similarly about Bryce Young. I'm not selling him right now just because I think his value is going to hold at least for a few months. Um, mm. he, he's a guy that's honestly the QB three on a lot of my teams or yeah. a situation where I have like, He's my, he's my QB2 in dynasty value, but I have Geno Smith, I have Kirk Cousins, I have Derek Carr. I have someone I'm going to start over him year one. So I'm okay taking the risk that he you know does a few exciting things year one. Um, I don't think the expectations are that high, so I'm not really worried about his short-term value, but I, I'm definitely not that high on him like as far as being one of these top eight guys. My only in-draft trade to get him, I was moving off. I was transitioning from a team that was win now to trying to really – extrapolate some value and just go into a a little bit of a rebuild and I made the splash trade of trading Jalen Hurts for Bryce Young in 224 first that finished as the 103 and the 104 Mm. last year and then it puts me into that spot with mine I wasn't wild about it because I felt like I should get a little bit more it just wasn't quite there but you know sometimes you got to make that trade to push yourself into a into a rebuild you know like so you aren't just teetering on the edge uh the next one go ahead you have a question Okay, perfect. Uh, the next one, we get into an interesting area here at that that two three turn. We got, you know, we got Gibbs, who I know you love, Alave, who I love as well, and then Kyle Pitts. So I feel like these guys kind of fall into this area, and this is an interesting one with your build because 
it's hard to know what your build's going to be at yeah. that two, three turn. If you get two of these guys, if you're not doing three round reversal and you got Patrick Mahomes and get Gibbs and Alave, you just killed your draft. Yeah. Like that is beautiful. But if someone's coming to you right now and they're like, you got to take one, who is it? Uh, this is tough. I, I think I'm taking Kyle Pitts just because I know I need to have one of those top four tight ends locked in. And if I miss out on Pitts and I miss out on Andrews, I don't love Hawkinson at his value and Kelsey, you're really locking yourself into a build. Yeah. And, and you and I were just talking, you're kind of locking yourself into a build in a way by taking Pitts or Jameer Gibbs, just by the fact that then if you did take two quarterbacks in round one, you don't have a wide receiver until round four. And if it doesn't fall your way, we were just talking about a startup I'm in through nine picks. I only have one wide receiver and that's because I have three tight ends, four running backs and two quarterbacks. It's not what I'm super comfortable with, but so, so, so that is one reason to take a lave, but I'm typically targeting more like a T Higgins half a round later or Drake London, a full round later compared to a lave. Um, I think Pitts is the guy I'd take and Gibbs would be my second choice, but it's really close between those three guys. I had to make this decision in a startup recently and I took Gibbs because I think sometimes you have that rookie hotness, you know, you have that, that's yeah. that new flavor and everybody wants that where Kyle Pitts, not everybody wants him because a lot of people have been burnt by him in the, in the past two years. I that's think Alave is, yeah. is ascending like the beginning of the off season. This was Garrett Wilson and Crystal or Garrett Wilson and Amon Ross St. Brown were going in this round. They just keep sliding up that second round. I've been noticing where Alave was a third, mid-third. Now he's moving himself up. So I don't think you go wrong. I think you understand what your build is going to be. You know, if you're I, in an area where you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build for the future and try to fill in with with running backs. But I think Pitts has that. If it's 1.75 tight end premium, or some of these I'm seeing two, we really got to just differentiate. 0. 0.5 yeah. tight end premium is not, that's just that's just common practice now. That's not actually a premium. That's just where you're at. So. Yeah, I can't. I don't think you can go wrong with all three. Personally, I like the safety of Alave, but I think Gibbs has that hottest flavor right now. Yeah, I I might go and make Pitts my most owned player this offseason. Um, I I think he's very undervalued. Like I I didn't realize his ADP was around the mid third, early third. Um, personally, I have him 16th in my rankings for a half tight end premium league. I think just the advantage he provides at tight end. I mean, I'm always high on tight ends, but there's just, as I said, it's him, Andrews and Hawkinson are the only guys like even close to them. So, and Pitts is only 22 years old. Like it's, I, I think I got to stick with Pitts in, in that range for now. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I don't like to build around the tight ends cause I, I don't like paying up, but you, you want to have those guys. Cause then you start getting to, I've always assessed the next Darren Waller, the next, yeah. you know, like it's Dolchich, it's Unconquo, it's some of those guys. But you aren't getting that same point differential between Gibbs and the next running back versus Pitts in like, you know, your tight end five, six range for sure. Yeah, yeah. Moving on to our next range, we're looking at like Drake London or Jackson Smith and Jigba. These guys were going back Ooh. to back. This one to me, like I was Jackson Smith and Jigba above London before the this draft. Tough. And this one's like splitting hairs for me. I wanted to hit, I wanted to hit for you first because like I think if London had a quarterback, I think I'd have him above JSN. But for right now, I I slight I've JSN slightly ahead of where Drake London is because if we talk about the situation, I mean Pitts is gonna Pitts and London are gonna be, you know, you're looking at a, basically a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, just like you're looking at JSN and Metcalf. I I'm actually going to take JSN. Um, it's it's tough. L looking at my rankings, I've London a spot higher, and I just don't see myself taking London over JSN. Um, and purely this comes down to an eval for me. Like they, they both had very good production profiles in college. Drake London had a great year one. I, I agree that he's safer because he's at least proven that he can do pretty well in the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, but I have JSN as my fourth ranked wide receiver on tape since 2018. Um, the other three guys were Devonta Smith, CD Lamb, and Jamar Chase, who turned out all right. Um, and one spot ahead, Justin Jefferson. So if he's going to be in that range, and I could be wrong, all of us are wrong at some point, but I'm going to bet on JSN there as having the higher upside than London. Um, he has a better quarterback. I think that offense is going to be really fun this year. Um, I, I think he could eat. Yeah, I think so too. And it, like the interesting thing is, this is where I put the gif up of why not both? 
You know, like this is, I want both of these guys. These are on my most owned dynasty guys, guys that I've and, been out there and, trying to and acquire. And this is why we, we talked about it a little bit that the cutoff at basically like the 404, which is around where Drake London is going, the 402 where JSN is going. After that, you're getting down really quickly to where you are locked in to a Tyree Kill or Devontae Adams, or you take like a Quentin Johnston, who's just not the same level of prospect as JSN. So yeah. you got to think of it the same way in a rookie draft. I would pay at least an early second to move up from QJ to JSN. And in a startup draft, you might only have to move up one round to do that. You could give up a 10th round pick to do that. I would make that, I would make that trade. I would trade, you know, my early fifth plus my 10th for a late third round pick and just to lock in JSN uh, or London. Yeah, this is an area where, like you said, I mean, it's it's Addison Flowers and QJ are going in that like fifth round area. Yeah. You know, like you and I were talking before I made an offer today, I offered Flowers and Jamison Williams for JSN because there's there's that we knew the tiers were in there. Sometimes we look at a rookie draft and we know the tier is at six. Right. But then we start doing a startup and you're like, you see, I see it happen all the time where Jordan Addison goes five picks behind where JSN is and it's like whoa whoa like we, we doesn't make we, sense it doesn't add up right it, like yeah. you see it in a rookie draft and we present all the information and then it's like oh in a startup they throw that out the window and you just can't do it uh the next area we talked about that early third mm-hmm. to mid third those quarterbacks start to dry up and you got to choose between CJ Stroud and Tua Tagovailoa um you know two is one that I don't own anywhere I just don't have a single share you and I have talked about that. You have multiple shares and mm-hmm. you like him. If you've got to choose between the two, is it Stroud or Tua for you? Uh, it's Tua. Um, I think Tua is a good comp for Stroud. Um, not necessarily in their play styles, but just in terms of what their production could end up being. Um, but Tua is just in a better situation. I'm I'm not that worried about the concussion situation. Like, Listen, he's a football player. There are players who get one concussion and have to retire. There are players who get six and are fine. Like, obviously, it's not a great situation, but that's a risk that I'm willing to take because if you think about the risk of C.J. Stroud just being bad at football, I mean, literally 50% of the quarterbacks who have drafted in the top 10 just are bad at football and aren't starters for a second contract. So Mm – Tua, I know, is not bad at football. Tua, I know, has Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell and an awesome offense. And C.J. Stroud has none of those things. He has a disaster of a situation. He has no rushing upside. He has just as much risk of busting as any quarterback. I'm taking Tua uh, in that spot. I'm glad you didn't mention Devin A. Chain for Jacobian. You know, we might have started another debate there. But, yeah, I'm with you. You know, like I, I have a lot of Stroud, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm Tua is a little bit safer. Yeah. Um, not as fun to talk about as London versus JSN, right? Not in no. that same area. Now we get into that fifth round. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this because we have, we have a, a whole slew of guys that go here. You know, like in this – now, Devontae Adams usually goes in the fourth – so he went in this one, but it's Quentin Johnston, Michael Pittman, Debo Samuel, Jerry Judy, Jordan Addison, Traylon Burks, and Christian Watson. Like this is that area to me when you're looking at rookie draft values. These guys were worth the 107 to the 108. Yeah. Um, you could also have Kincaid in this area if you're in the right kind of premium who, man, yeah. they just came out and said today that they want to use him like Kelsey. And yeah. my, oh man, I have 82% ownership of Dalton Kincaid. Oh baby, that's like, I even- got him. I got wow. him every, everywhere. Like wow. I was moving up. And so if you got a pick in this area, I mean, is it is it Judy? Is it Addison? Is it Pittman? Is it Quentin Johnson? Let's start differentiating this fifth round because I think you can really make or break your draft here with the, the amount of risk that you take or the amount of upside that these guys have. So first of all, I'm going to put a placeholder and say after this, we got to we gotta compare Kincaid to a few vets because you and I are super high on him. I, I just want to have a conversation on how high we should actually be. Um, but first, let me hit on these wideouts. It's a tough situation where I, I have a tier of Tyree Kills, Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup, and then Devontae Adams kind of just below it, where mm-hmm. if you're okay locking yourself into a certain build, because when you draft one of these players, it's not only that you have to compete. It's that if you choose not to compete because of the way the draft board falls later, I mean, you've only taken four players at this point. This is probably your fourth or fifth pick. So you don't know whether the value in the sixth, seventh and eighth round is going to be Traylon Burks or whether it's going to be, you know, Derek Henry, right? Like you don't know who's going to be falling at to those, 
places. So Mm -hmm. it's a little bit risky because there's only going to be two or three teams in the league who want to commit to a guy like this. Um, Well, and that's hard right now, right? Like the dynasty community has overcorrected so hard on this that they are making them values, you know, like people are like, well, I'm going to pass on cup here for, you know, Michael Pittman. And you're like, wait, what? Huh? No, No, you don't do that. Like in, in smash seven, I was able to draft Cooper cup, traded him for the one Oh nine and Jamison Williams, who, you know, I hate Jamison Williams, but the one Oh nine, guess who that was Dalton Kincaid, you know? So now I have another piece to play around with there. Like don't just pass up on cup digs and Adams. You got to talk to all of your league mates when you do this draft, but yeah, it like this area, you're like, Oh, Tyreek Hill's there. Like, it feels bad. You want to take a guy that is going to increase in value, but I had to get that I, out there because I, we have I, overcorrected so hard. It makes it difficult to assess. I will say that right after that though, I do have my next eight guys and I don't like Jameson Williams are Traylon Burks, Christian Watson, Qu- oh, sorry, uh, Adams is in there. Burks, mm-hmm. Watson, Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison, Jerry Judy, and Jameson Williams. I have all of those guys above my next tier of DJ Moore, Debo Samuel, Michael Pittman, Marquise Brown, Chris Godwin, and Terry McLaurin. And the reason they're above is because, and this gets back to the question that we're talking about this episode, whether we want to take a rookie or the veteran. And this is where it starts to shift. I want to take the veteran more often in the early rounds because I can't have that guy bust. And I believe that all those players still have the upside to be top whatever startup picks. Yeah. Once we move to this area of the draft, all of those players I just mentioned from DJ Moore to Chris Godwin, those are six wide receivers. All of them are aged between 25 and a half and 27 and a half. And all of them averaged between 11.7 and 13.5 points per game last season. Mm-hmm. That level of wide receiver. And I know, listen, Debo Samuel's done better in the past. Chris Godwin's done better in the past. That, that level of wide receiver just isn't going to change the trajectory of your team it's really close, much closer to replacement level than you think it might be. I mean, you can go down to Jacoby Myers and Juju Smith-Schuster who averaged 11 and a half points per game. You're only losing like two or three points there. So I'm going for the upside of the rookie like Quentin Johnson or Jordan Addison or the guys like Traylon Burks or Christian Watson. Personally, I like the second year players over the rookies just based on my like scouting and how well they did last year. But um, I'd be fine taking the rookies in those spots as well. I'm in a similar type area, and this is an area where what I'm trying to do, we talked about those 24 firsts. Every single one of these guys, I'm trying to mitigate a little bit of risk, you know, like get Mm -hmm. a 24 first plus a player, you know, right now. Like I have very similar tiers to you. Um, What type of player are you looking for on top? So let me pull this up real quick here because this is where you get into an area where it's like we got to assess who you're trying to add on top. Like for me – we're out of the Marquise Brown range. We're down a little bit further yep. than that. I think we're yep. we're more in that. I think you get a 24 first and what I have in my tier eight, which is like your Deontay Johnson, mm-hmm. Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper, Bateman. I don't you know. Even, like I don't love I don't players. think I actually don't think you're getting that much, if I'm being honest. Like like maybe maybe you should do the opposite if you think you should be able to get that much, but I don't see people giving up like like if you look at where McLaurin is going off in the draft, he's in the seventh round. Quentin Johnson's yeah. in the fifth round. I don't think you can get a seventh and a first for a fifth anymore. I think people have gotten a little smarter. We've, I almost think we're looking at like we've the people. Them too well. Yeah, I think we're looking at the people valued as like an early to mid second, like Jonathan Mingo, Kadarius yeah. Tony, Josh Downs. Like yeah. realistically, I think that's the only value installation you can do from a Quentin Johnston, unless you get lucky and find a guy who's just in love. Of, of course, those trades can happen as well. You said in love, so let's talk Dalton Kincaid. Yes, you know, let's do it. Let's, okay. let's light it's some time. candles. Let's get some flowers out. You know, like Dalton Kincaid right now is my tight end five me too me too i debated four but i think hawkinson just separates a little bit i would rather get i would rather get kincaid plus from hawkinson if i could in any any particular way i put on twitter today you know someone was asking i was like you are getting a tight end one maybe the tight end one in in two years you know like Kyle Pitts is a unicorn. We know that. But Dalton Kincaid, the hands that this guy got, the fact that he's going to be tied to Josh Allen in an offense that, 
literally it, it needs red zone help. It needs an area where Josh Allen, they don't want him to run as much in the red zone. I would not bat an eyelash if someone said that Dalton Kincaid catches 10 touchdowns year one. Like, oh, yeah. I, I don't think people understand what kind of value he is going to have. They've literally come out and said they are going to use him as an offensive weapon. Okay. He is not Dalton, Dawson Knox. He is a elite level guy. Once he gets in the open field where it's a Travis Kelsey light, maybe a Zach Ertz type where this is a guy that, man, you're going to have a tight end one for a long time. Yeah. Did I, oversell and, and, it? Did I oversell it? No, I don't think so. So I, I was talking earlier on my podcast. Um, what do you think is the year one expectation for Dalton Kincaid? I know you mentioned 10 touchdowns. So are you I, thinking 60 catches six, for 700 yards? I was going like to say like 600. I was thinking 60, 608. You yeah. Know, like that. But I mean, but if you look at that as a tight end production from year one, that is in an area where it's like, that, that's an elite level tight end right off of year one. But I think we could see an Ingram type numbers where like he could be, he, a lot of people say Gabe Davis, but I mean, Dalton Kincaid could be the number two wide receiver on that team. Yeah, he could actually, he could absolutely be. I mean, no one go try to trade Gabe Davis if you own him right now and tell me how excited people are for the second best weapon, hypothetically on, you know, a guy who's going to put up 35 plus passing touchdowns and 4,700 passing yards a year. Like people need to catch the ball. Even if he just takes Dawson Knox's volume. And like he said, he's not Dawson Knox. He's going to be putting up, you know, 600 yards and eight touchdowns a year, which is what Dawson Knox has averaged. So I'm PPR. glad you said that because everyone's out there like, hey, go trade Gabe Davis for a 23 second or a 24 second. No one's second. doing nope. this. No one's doing it. You just no one's do doing it. that. That's so, just a sale. Yeah. So I, I want to touch on Kincaid a little bit because even if he hits like my my conservative estimate for him was 50 catches for 650 yards and six touchdowns. That's as conservative as I could get. That's yeah. with him getting a, a snap share significantly lower than Dawson Knox and a target share similar to Dawson Knox and just performing better because he he's better. That would be 10 and a half fantasy points a game. Do you know how many tight ends since 2020 in their rookie season have put up? So in the last 23 years, tw- sorry, 22 years of rookies have put up more than 10 and a half points a game. It's a handful. It's like five or six. Yeah, it's five. It's Jordan Reed, Evan Ingram, Jeremy Shockey, Kyle Pitts, Aaron Hernandez, and then Rob Gronkowski was right there. So that is the company that we're talking about. You know, we're talking about one of the top seven seasons, like Kyle Pitts, like the next season he put up a thousand yards and was the only tight end to do like this is a really interesting player that you need to be investing in. So where in a startup, I see he went six twelve here. I was I, legitimately devastated. That's, he went, that's so he went, that's late for me. He went six six in a startup I was in. I was at six seven. I was like sitting there. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna get Kincaid here. I don't want to reach on him. And when he went six six, I was so heartbroken. I reached out to the guy, tried to trade for him. He said no. Uh, I'll get him before the season starts. But regardless, are, are you comfortable taking him at the at the end of the fifth round? Because right now in my startup rankings, that's essentially where I have him ranked. I have him as the 506 in my startup rankings right now. I would take him. So the guys that went ahead of him were Dallas Goddard and Kittle. And and I mean, I'm not I'm not even debating that. I'm taking him over both of those guys. Me when too. you're talking about that end of the fifth, I mean, that's where you're in that area of Nick Chubb, J.K. Dobbins, maybe Traylon Burks, Christian Watson. And I think the ceiling of, especially if it's 0.75 tight end premium, the ceiling of Dalton Kincaid is is higher than all of them. You know, and I, I think that's I think that's what you have to do. I mean, is there some risk there? Yeah. I mean, there's risk with everybody, but I think the offense that he's tied to, the college production that he had, the profile, athletic profile that he has, the the hands that this guy possesses, I mean, he should be higher than Kittle. He should be higher than Goddard and right there behind Hawkinson. So one one real quick question I have, and then we'll move on because I know we're going a little bit long here. Um, what would you pay? I know you love Greg Dulcich as well. What would you pay on top of Dulcich to get Kincaid? Oh, that's tough because it. I, I think the value is different. Like when I'm looking at it, I said I'm willing to pay like 112 to 203 for Dulcich, and I've I've been taking King. I've been taking Kincaid 108 everywhere, but the rookie yeah. draft is over, so those values are kind of out the window. You're not, it's going to be more than a 24 second. Yep. 
I, I don't know if I'd if it was a late 24 first, I'd do it. I know that sounds crazy. Ooh, I love it. it. But no, I feel I like it's that. I feel like it's two 24 seconds, to be honest. But I if it was a late 24 seconds, first, or it's a guy like Isaiah Pacheco or like Aaron Rodgers who has like the veteran yeah. value of like the 201. Yeah. It's disguising it and moving around, but I always like to look yeah. at it in rookie picks, and that's that's great evaluation on who to put in there, you know, like guys really struggle with who's worth a 24 second, who's worth this kind of area. And Pacheco was a great shot in there. Um, We talked about Judy or Addison, you know, we talked about Pittman versus Quentin Johnson. I mean, we're in those areas where I think Judy and Addison's an interesting one because I think Addison is in a situation to thrive for sure. He's not going to get double covered because we're going to have Jefferson taken away, you know, all of that. I think Judy is in an area where he's going to see that number one corner but I, I, he is just someone that I've invested a lot in this offseason just because of what we saw, that little bit of chemistry once Hackett left, that Judy has the talent there. So if you're Judy or Addison, where are you leading? Uh, this one's tough because I do think that Judy's a better player. Um, Me too. Yeah, if you flip think, off the situations, it's different. Yeah, I think I'll probably go for Jerry Judy, but I, I don't feel awesome about it. I'm not going to lie. Um I think that Addison situation's okay, but the maximum he can get to in that situation is being like Devonta Smith. I, they do mm-hmm. throw the ball considerably more, so maybe he could get a little bit above that, but he's not going to be Justin Jefferson. He's not going to compete for those targets. So there is some type of cap. Obviously, Hawkinson gets a lot of targets as well, and I don't think Addison's a player who's going to you know, be a top-ceiling guy that I think Jerry Judy can be. I mean – Jerry Judy coming out of college was a significantly better prospect than Jordan Addison Absolutely. was both by my estimation and just by like really any analytics you look at. Um, so I'm going to take Judy there, but it, it is close and I don't blame someone for taking Addison. Um, it's this it is is where, relative. Yeah, this is where you can differentiate. One thing that I, one thing that I will say about Jerry Judy and, and sometimes just like, Literally just looking at someone's company in a list of like stats you find valuable can be super important. So even though the Broncos passing system was an absolute mess last year, if you just look at the top 11 of yards per route run, it is literally the top 10 dynasty wide receivers in Jerry Judy. It's, yeah. it's Tyreek, Jefferson, AJ Brown, Waddle, Adams, Olave, Diggs, ARSB, Cooper Cup, CD Lamb, and Jerry Judy. So yeah. If you just are going to say that he's healthy and if he's going to perform like Amon Ross St. Brown or Chris Olave or C.D. Lamb, then I'm going to just assume that he's going to do better than Jordan Addison. He's one of my biggest buys. Like I've been getting him for like the I got him for the 112 and 204. Like I feel like Addison's at that 107. Judy's not valued that way. You can get him cheaper. You can get him if you're still doing those rookie drafts, 1819, even even later. And I think you like you said, I mean, another stat that he's always in there is yards of separation. Like he yep. is literally one of the best technicians of, of getting open, you know, and his footwork. Now we're going to play a little bit more fun here because now we're going to get into areas where I, I have one that I'm going to throw off the cuff that I don't even have on the sheet here just to watch okay. you squirm a little bit. Zay Flowers, George Pickens, or or uh, Jameson Williams, your three favorite wide receivers. Who do you think? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> Jesus. That's you know, sometimes you tug at the heartstrings where you're like Kyle Pitts or, or Jameer Gibbs. This is the opposite. This is more of the puke factor. Which guy are you taking? Uh, can I take Sky more? Um, <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, to, be honest, to be honest, I'm going to take Jamison Williams. Um, and that's actually not that difficult for me. I don't want any of these players. But I – listen – like I've said, like I think any analyst needs to needs to be humble with their evaluations because the NFL gets this wrong half the time. I don't like Jamison Williams, but I haven't seen him play, and the numbers he put it up at Alabama deserves respect. The fact yeah. that he was drafted that highly deserves respect. Like I think that he could come in and really outperform my expectations, and he's the type of player that could skyrocket to you know being wide receiver three, wide receiver four, if he hits the ceiling that I don't think is there, but maybe it is. 
Zay Flower, George Pickens, we've seen. He's not that guy. Like, I, I'm sorry. Well, I don't you, need Matt, Matt Harmon's reception perception where he was like, what, 5.6% success rate versus zone. I put my dynasty it's... cells out. He's still valued in a lot of people's minds, especially Steelers fans. Know your league. But like yep. one nine, one ten range, and I'm like, yep, come get him. You know, like I don't own him anywhere, but if I did, come get him. Yeah, so I I put up a poll today asking, would you rather have him or random 2024 first? And I got to say, I, w- I was proud of the Twitter community out there. Uh, only four, only 15% said they'd rather pick in a 24 first. Um, those 15% reevaluate your decisions. But that, anyways. after a couple highlight catches for sure. Yeah, everybody jumps in on that. Because right. that's all it is, right? Because he, he has to make highlight catches because his yards of separation are like, the difference between me and my shirt right now. Like there's nothing. Um, but by the way, one thing I wanted to add, cause I, I managed to look it up uh, of any wide receiver with more than 70 targets last year, Jerry Judy had a hundred. Uh, he was number one in yards of separation. So that's, that's just talking to the caliber of player Jerry Judy is uh, anyways, you could say, I haven't seen Zay flowers as well. Why am I taking Jameson Williams over him? Because he's been injured. It's just a college production thing. I mean, Jameson yeah. Williams put up the yards in one season that it took Zay flowers, two seasons to put up at BC mm-hmm. and Jameson was at Alabama. Like let, yeah. let's not pretend he's the same caliber of prospect. Next one, we're looking at that 111 range of of Rashad White, J.K. Dobbins, and and Devin A. Chain. I'm mm. buying J.K. Dobbins everywhere. I don't think he really belongs in that area. I Me think either. you look at his yards per carry over the the past several years. When he's healthy, he's a borderline RB one. And if you remember him coming out of college, you know at Ohio State, he had some great pass catching chops. You know he has not shown that to the to his ability yet i think he's a buy low but let's let's take it uh rashad white or devin aging so w- w- where are we at in the draft right now we are looking at uh seven nine seven ten seven eleven is white aging charbonnet and dalvin cooks at seven twelve yeah so i have dobbins in around the sixth round and i have uh uh, at chain and white thereafter. Um, I'll, I'll take at chain over white pretty comfortably. Um, he, he's two, he's two years younger. We have a sample size of white, not looking good in the NFL. That doesn't mean that he can't be successful, but, um, that offensive line did not get any better. He's not in a good situation. He lost Tom Brady and going to be playing with Baker Mayfield. This could be an absolute mess of an offense. So I'm going to bet on at chain's upside. I, I, I have put out much content on uh, Devon Atchain, so please check out my podcast if you're interested in some more of my thoughts. But the upside is really tantalizing there. He's proven that he can handle some sort of volume. The scheme is perfect for him. Um, he could be awful, uh, but so could Rashad White. But yes. Atchain is younger and could be better. So The next part, this is where it gets really interesting because it's Charbonnet, it's Kendra Miller, then it's guys like Damian Pierce, but then it's – Derek, sometimes Derek Henry falls yeah. into this area. Yeah. Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, and this is Miles Sanders, Cam Akers. This is a Cam part Akers, where you really yeah. have to look at what your roster looks like because I I love Zach Charbonnet pre-draft process. Mm-hmm. But if Me you're too. a win, if you're a win now team, the only way Charbonnet is winning it for you is if Walker gets hurt, mm-hmm. as opposed to Dalvin Cook, who you know if he gets cut goes to Miami. That would kill AJ. We don't want that to happen. But even yeah. if he stays there, if you look at yards over the last four years he's second in total yards for running backs only behind derrick henry i mean you have to really separate here and and start look at is this worth the season that dalvin cook potentially has a back-end rb1 season as opposed to a kendra miller or charbonnet miller's a little bit different because i do feel like he has an opportunity to start with you know at some point or potentially Mm -hmm. next year but i think both these guys are more secondary pieces compared to your mix in your Henry and your Dalvin Cook. Can you elaborate a little bit on this? Because I've been taking Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon and Alvin Kamara in rounds nine, ten, yeah, and just be like, you know what? I loaded up on wide receivers. I have all my quarterbacks. Why the heck not? Yeah, and and I think people are sometimes um, they don't think about this right, where they say, oh, I'm only going to take Mixon or Dalvin if I have an old win now team. If I took Cooper Cup, if I took Christian McCaffrey. That's the wrong way to think about it. The way to think about it is, like you said, if you built your team with the young wide receivers, if you went Chris Alave in round three and Drake London in round four and Traylon Burks in round five, you can then afford to take the Joe Mixons, the Dalvin Cooks, because those players are 
absolutely flammable assets. You cannot give those players away on the trade market. I know I've tried. Mm-hmm. You cannot get Josh Downs for Joe Mixon in the trade market. Yeah, of so, yeah. And Josh Downs, we haven't talked about yet. He's going to be, you know, three plus rounds later. So if you're taking Joe Mixon, you need to commit to winning. And that means that it doesn't mean that the rest of your team is old, but you need to take a good look in the mirror, be honest with yourself, look at the other teams. And if you are a top four team, go ahead and take Joe Mixon. But if you're not, you shouldn't be taking Joe Mixon. You should be taking Zach Charbonnet. Yeah, no, I, I understand that completely. The other side of it is, and a lot of people, especially if they do a year one punt or they build real young, you know, if we're talking running backs, they're in the same area. But if you start taking wide receivers that, you know, don't have any value in that area as far mm-hmm. as like, can Dalvin Cook get you a 24 first? Probably not. But we're in an area where there's that that situation where you can get, if that other teams are win now, they're going to pay up for a Dalvin Cook, for a yeah. Joe Mixon. Right now, we're not worried about scoring points. You know, you don't have to worry about filling up values. But once we start scoring points and Derrick Henry's putting up 27 points week one, you know, in your in your PPC league or, you know, you get into those areas, those guys are flippable assets as opposed to maybe stretching on. I see a lot of people, you know, in that area. Where Kadarius are, Tony. Yeah, Kadarius Tony. I like Bateman, but there's like Mike Williams goes in that area, you know, and I'm like, you can take a running back instead yeah. of drafting your wide receiver seven, your wide yeah. receiver eight. You know, like, and people even say, well, dad, I'm doing a year one punt. Why would I want Dalvin Cook? Because you can flip him because you can trade him for something else. Because once you get to the rookie draft, you can use that as a, a piece to move from, uh, you know, from, from like, to Kincaid. Yeah, exactly. You know, like yep, you no. can, you can do those kind of moves. So that's yep. kind of where, where I like, you talked about uh, downs. Let's, let's really, before we talked about the wide receivers that you hate. Now let's talk about two that I know you like Josh Downs and Sky Moore. Yeah. So you're in that area. Oh, I'm no. personally taking downs, but I know you're still high on Sky Moore oh, because no. everyone's asking who's the wide receiver two in in KC. You know, at Rashi Rice, is it going to be Sky Moore? Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who's the wide receiver one in KC? Well, Kelsey's the tight end one, so we'll call. Oh, him okay, okay, one. okay. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. I don't even. I, he's just. It's I, just such a thing in the no, back of my head where nobody. No, you're absolutely better. right. I thought you were implying that Kadarius Tony was like a no doubt about it. Oh, I hate that. One. I don't know Kadarius Tony anywhere. Yeah, like no. everyone says. Like I, I do my biggest buys and sells in the in the Patreon, and anybody puts Kadarius Tony or those kind of things, I, I get. I just like nope. Sorry, can't do it. I'm going Sky more. Um, just and I love both of these players. I mean, they're they're similar-ish players, um, and they definitely both stole my heart in the off seasons uh, of their rookie years. I'm taking Sky Moore just for a similar reason why you would take Dalton Kincaid. He he's paired with Patrick Mahomes, and the upside is just absolutely massive. Like you look at Josh Downs, he's got a running quarterback who's not going to be like he's not putting up 4,500 passing yards anytime soon. Patrick Mahomes puts up 5,000 with his eyes closed and he doesn't have a guy after Kelsey who's going to command that many targets and Kelsey's 34 years old. So I'm taking Sky Moore there. Uh, I also had Sky Moore rated higher as a prospect. Um, by the way, you, you shouted out Matt Harmon earlier in this episode. Um, he also gives you some hope on Sky Moore if you want to check out uh, his reception perception analysis. Um, th- there is hope still there, but but it's close. Who uh, I, I actually had one quick question for you as well. Um, a little bit earlier in the draft, but another interesting question. Who are you taking between Will Levis and Derek Carr? We just did that on the on the Superflex pod that we had. Um, I am oh, – that is – Derek Carr, I feel like, is going to give you someone that is worth a 24 first at some point in the season when someone goes down to injury, and I will sell him immediately. I think Derek Carr could have a nice – resurgence you know in the right offense there i mean alave if michael thomas is healthy you know kamara if he isn't suspended i think there's that opportunity in there will levis i put out a thread that he's one of the best super flex values mm-hmm. if you're in that mid-second range but i mean i still think t- i have both of them in that 201 to 203 range so it, mm-hmm. it's flipping a coin i think will levis the the this is going to sound a little bizarre but i think will levis could be replaced easier if they're really bad you know, like I feel, I yeah, I don't feel like the Saints finish as a lottery team, one of those teams in those first couple of picks, where I could easily see Tennessee being in that area it, and just it, saying, this yeah. is it. it. It depends on who your first two quarterbacks were. Like earlier in the draft, if you took 
if you took Tua, then maybe now you should take Levis. But if you took Stroud, maybe now you should take Carr, right? It, yeah. or, or same discussion, Bryce Young versus Dak Prescott, right? Like just try to balance out your team. But I agree. I, I have them in the same range. It's basically a toss up. So we, we talked a little bit about tight ends, you know, and we talked about some of our guys, you and I are both ends. huge on Dolchich. The next one's really difficult because it's it's Laporta and it's Chagosium Oconqua. Like this is just I love both of these guys. In that mid 305 to three or 205 to 208, I was snatching up Laporta everywhere because I think he is going to you know be a guy that is sooner than later a top 12 dynasty tight end. You know, I have him pretty high in my rankings right now. Chig, though, is a fun thing, right? This is just fun because he's the, he's got to be the number two target guy behind Traylon Burks in Tennessee, a game that's going to be – team that's going to be negative game script all the time, going to have to throw a lot in my estimation. So who do you like here between these two guys? You know, you have the, the early draft capital of Laporta, and then you have the upside of what Chig presents. Yeah, and I mean, just to say something quickly about Chig's upside – I mentioned that Jerry Judy stat from earlier, but out of any tight end with at least 40 targets, Chig was first in yards after catch for reception and first in yards per route run. There's a reason people are so high on him. He's in a situation where the only other pass catcher is an unproven second year pass catcher in Traylon Burks. So the Dude, sky's the, the limit. They jump out. I mean, since 2017, he's second yeah. in yards per target, fourth in yards per reception, yep. second in yards or second in yards per route run. I mean, like, I don't think people understand that. Like right now, he, you can he, get him. He, for- he's second. Yeah, sorry. He, he's second in targeted QB rating behind only George Kittle in the last six years. It's it's really impressive stuff. I've been buying him for a pair of thirds in the rookie draft. Oh, I've been I've been wow. pairing him for like maybe the two twelve and the three oh five because I'm like, all right, I really don't need Hendon. I mean, that's here. you know that's like, incredible let's, let's that. Yeah, that's not what I've seen from his market. Um, from what I'm seeing, he's coming off the board. I mean, KTC has him as the tight end 12. Uh, my startup ADP that I track has him as the tight end 13 above Sam Laporta. So it's interesting. Um, I'm taking Laporta here just because he is so much of a better prospect. And yeah. Aconquo, it is a small sample size, right? He had 45 targets last year. He had four or five weeks where he had one catch for like 30 plus yards and a touchdown where he like broke a screen play or literally caught like a deflected pass and took it in. Like I'm, I'm going to be a little cautious on a Conquer for now. I, I love his upside. And if you can get him for two thirds, Oh, by all means do that. If you can get him for two late seconds, I would still do that, but I'm going to take Laporta here. I love Laporta. I'm taking him all over. I have, 28 shares of Sam Laporta. Sorry, I just had to go and check my board. Um, he's my 203 in my uh, rookie draft ranks, and I'm I'm all in on him because the situation is just as good for him. We've seen what someone can do in that Lions offense. There is no other tight end on that depth chart. And Laporta has a lot of similar skills in terms of running after the catch as a Conquo, but was just so much better as a prospect. Um, I'm taking Laporta there. What about you? I, am, I, I know, I know I you am love too. Chig. I, I do, but I'm taking him there because I – I, I, right now, I mean, when we talk numbers, you're in 29 out of, is that 83? Yeah. Yeah. So like people are going to be like comparing those two and like more yeah. percentage wise, you know, I was getting Kincaid everywhere, but I, once I didn't get Kincaid, I got Laporta in every single one. You yeah. know, I feel like that's a beautiful. I, I, I double dipped a lot too. And I don't know where you're at on this, but I did not get a single Michael Mayer. I was getting Laporta. I was moving back in that area. I didn't get much. In, uh, I was in that area of Michael Mayer. I, I was waiting a little bit lo- longer to get Sam Laporta, but I think he is going to just continue to rise up. People are going to realize what they have in him. He and, is the reason that I don't have more Josh Downs. Yeah, yeah, and that in that mid second range. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not. I'm. I would much rather have him than stretch on. I like I like Marvin Mims. I like Rashi Rice. I like some of these guys. I like some, uh, you know, Roshan Johnson and Tajay Spears. But I, I feel like Sam Laporta is a difference maker, and the other guys might have a shorter longevity kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So love it. Uh, let's see if we could dig into a couple deeper ones here, where we have like your boy Nico Collins versus Tank Dell. <laughs> no, I just had to bring up Nico Collins. It's part of my <laughs> it's part of my necessary thing. The guy that I see go way too early, I think. Is, is Zach Evans. So Zach Evans is going the same area as, you know, he's going to the same area as like Damian Harris, 
Um, he went over Ryan Tannehill in this draft, over Jamal Williams. Talk to me. I know you were pretty big on him as a prospect. Yeah. How have you come around because of the draft capital, and are, are you still valuing him in that same area? Over Ryan Tannehill? That blew no, my mind. Absolutely yeah. not. So Zach Evans in my last draft went above Sky Moore. He went one round after Conquo. He went one round after Laporta. Um, this I just is can't insane. buy it. He's a six-round draft This capital. is insanity, like, guys. He Why like, are we not pr- – you don't know more than they do. That's the thing. And, like, I know everyone loves their Zach Evans, their Chase Browns, and their Sean Tuckers, but all these guys – are probably going to be cut. I mean, two out of the three are probably going to be cut before the season starts. So why exactly are we investing anything more than like a late third round pick players taken in the sixth and seventh round have a 30% chance of making the the opening day roster. Like let's not, not of breaking out of making the team of making the hit rate is really low. The hit rate is non-existent. So like, for instance, if we just want to talk running backs here, Instead of taking Zach Evans, go take your shot on Deonta Foreman that he'll win that job. Go take Samaje Pirine in the hopes that Javante will be out. Go take Jalen Warren, who's a guy that I've been targeting in the late teens with startup drafts because, honestly, I think he might be as good as Najee Harris. But regardless, he is a way more contingent upside pick because if Najee Harris gets hurt, Jalen Warren's the starter. If Cam Akers gets hurt, Zach Evans could be on the couch somewhere because he got cut two months ago. Yeah, and then Devin Singletary goes in that area, Damian yep. Harris, Elijah all Mitchell. All yep. those guys are I, – I put out a thread there of premium handcuffs. You guys got to start looking at who those insurance running backs are mm-hmm. or the next guy up. So, like always, man, like this is always lightning in a bottle. You know, it's fun fun chopping it up with you because we're, we think so similarly but kind of challenge each other on that. So why don't you tell everybody what you're working on and we'll kind of close things out. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me again. Always awesome to be on the pod. Um been just cranking away, honestly. Uh, my rookie guide came out, which was a really big and fun accomplishment for me. Has my startup ranks in there, breaks down what you should do at every pick, what type of trades you should be targeting. Um, now I've just been cranking out rookie drafts, moving into some startup content. Uh, my Patreon, which has been really fun, has been an you know expanding Discord community, which has been a lot of fun as well. Um, similar to you, especially during the rookie drafts, things are just awesome, like popping off all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of really like productive conversations there. So definitely make sure to check everything out. Uh, follow me, Dynasty Zoltan FF, on Twitter if you don't uh, as well. Hey, I love it. Thanks again for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process. Yep.